0: Uh once more,
1: um, good afternoon, everyone. And once more, thank you for joining into this uh, session, um, titled Crowdfunding Platform Compliance Roundtable, um, Building a Stable and Safe Investment Environment. Um, firstly, I would like to thank um, the panelists um, represented from the Securities, Exchange, the Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, we have the chicken economists, um, from SEC here, uh, Mr. Kechuku Umiano. Um, we have Soybeam D Belgam, who is legal and tech advisor at the office of um, the Director General of the Nigerian Ex Securities and Exchange Commission, um, and as well as um, Yemi Cipunere, who is a regulatory compliance expert. Um, so, without much ado, what we'll quickly do is to have, I think, our executive sponsor um, from the FCMB side this year. Uh, Mrs. Rolaya um just to you know, briefly um, open this roundtable conversation, um, and uh, we can just start in line with um, the mandate that we have um, on our agenda today. Um, like I said in the beginning, um, core of what we will be doing is um, a conversational engagement between um, digital platforms that are open to offer crowdfunding services or those who are already open or or those who are already offering it um, and uh, we see how um, their engagement with the regulators can sort of assist them um, easily do this. Um, Also why this is important for us is um, it also shows that um, as an institution from FCMB, we're trying to play a pivotal role in ensuring that um, crowdfunding platforms um, are compliant with um, the extant regulation. Uh, because um, if they are compliant with the extant regulation, uh, that is when, um, as a financial institution, we can participate in their business, um, especially from our custody services business as well. Um, so I'll just um, hand it over to um, the Divisional I Transaction Banking. Thank you, ma'am.
2: All right, thank you very much today and good afternoon everyone it's a pleasure to be here and uh, personally i'm looking forward to this session. Uh, with all that's going on in the market, I think it's clear that you know, we need to have a conversation, as you uh, JD like said, and knowing understanding what's going on what's the best way to address you know the very many moving parts and I'd like to say thank you very much to our. I say colleagues, you know, at uh, Securities and Exchange because we're all part of the financial industry. We're all part, you know, playing, making sure we have uh, a successful integration and partnership in the financial services uh, sector. So without much ado, so I don't take up too much time. I'd just like to say welcome to everyone and uh, and looking forward to the exchange. I'd like for it to be as interactive as possible because I'm sure there'll be many questions that will come up. And the beauty of engaging regulators is that we also have the opportunity, not just to hear from them, but also to sort of shape some of the thought processes uh, for future I mean, for future policies that may come up. So once again, thank you, everyone. You're welcome on board and uh, look forward to a very fruitful engagement. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, Ma. Uh, thank you, thank you. Um, and so, Without much ado, I would just like um, Adibola Adedeji to say uh, one or two words, um, especially from the side of our custody business, uh, because we know that um, custody as a service um, is very also important. And it's also a critical element in the um, regulation um, that um, the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, um, as put in place to secure the market. So, yes, um, Devala, just in a few words, um, your expectation from this engagement, and we just um, jump into it. Thank you.
3: Thank you very much, Baba Jude. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. And um, well, all welcome to this session because, like Rolaya said, I'm looking forward as well to this session. Um, my name is Adebola and I head the cost study services um, unit at um, FCMB. And as well aware, this rules that was released by the SEC has um, a bit of cost study applicable to it. So that's why we are here this afternoon to be able to talk about the rules for us to answer any questions that you may have regarding the regulatory space. That's why we have the representatives from the SEC here and also from the custody space. And that's why I am here this afternoon. Um, I'd like to say thank you once again. We can never say thank you enough to the representatives of the SEC that are here um, and to the DG for graciously loaning us, um, the three of them today. We really appreciate you. Thank you for coming. And um, I would also like to say thank you to all the stakeholders in the crowdfunding space. We look forward to what um, holds in the industry, you know, as things start to unfold and things start to um, get better. So um, I think we should just get into right into the meat of the matter. And um, I hope we have a very engaging session this afternoon. And um, we we'll look forward to taking the questions once all the presentations are done. Thank you so much. Over
1: to you, Robert Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, thank you, Demola, for this. Um, so yes, I'm in line with our mandate today. Um, we'll be um, calling on the Chief Economist, um, the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, Mr. Kechukwu Meano. Um, just to also briefly you know, set the stage um, and to just share generally the idea Behind the crowdfunding rule uh, by the SEC um, and why did the SEC come up with the crowdfunding rule, um, upon which we'll now follow the conversation with Soybeam, BMAC. The then we'll go to our QA session. Once more, thank you, sir. Thank you for joining us.
4: Okay, thank you very much, um, Babajide, uh, for inviting us. Uh, it's always a pleasure uh, to um, engage the markets uh, because. Um, The regulator uh, does not just uh, make rules on its own. It makes rules that uh, it wants the market to benefit from. It tries to organize the market. So I want to thank everyone who is here. And I want to thank the the FinTech um, firms who are here and who are involved in the crowdfunding space. I'll just quickly say that um, the SEC, uh, came up with these uh, crowdfunding rules for uh, several reasons. Okay, so one of the reasons is that um, the commission saw that this space was, um, will I say heating up or will I say becoming very active and felt that there was need to, you know, organize it. Let me use that let me say, organize the space uh, to make it as safe for everyone who wants to uh, either raise money or invest. So that's um, one of the reasons the SEC came up with the rules. Um, Also, uh, remember that uh, apart from the SEC's mandate to regulate the market, it also has a market development role to play. And we know how difficult it is for startups and small firms to raise um, capital in our country. Uh, so uh, it's uh, along those lines also that the SEC thought that these rules would help the um, small and medium uh, scale uh, enterprises, the small firms, the startups, to you know raise money from the market. So it's also um, in its uh, role as a developer of the economy and of the market that the SEC came up with these, uh, with these uh, rules on the crowdfunding. Uh, one other reason why um, the SEC came up with, with the rules is that we have uh, an objective of uh, deepening the market. We have an objective of deepening the market. If you look at our market now, our market, uh, the total market makes up uh, less than 30% of the GDP of the country. Uh, If you compare that to South Africa, which is about the highest in the world, has um, a market that uh, is about 370% the GDP of the country. Uh, Countries like the U.S. have 200%, Singapore and all that. And we have just um, less than 30%. I mean the entire market, the bond market, the the, the equities markets, the derivatives, commodities, all the the entire market. So we think that that's very low. Uh, We have also noted that uh, because uh, we don't have a very deep market, a market that has uh, products and uh, 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 instruments that meet the needs of people, of everyone I would say, uh, people have tended to lend their money or take their money to places where they end up losing the money. So, we've seen a lot of our compatriots uh, putting money in Ponzi schemes and uh, other kinds of schemes that end up uh, taking away their hardened uh, resources. So, um, this is another reason why the SEC thought that uh, it's the right time to you know, make rules to organize this market so that um, it can be yet another thing that people can invest in, uh, knowing that somebody is watching, knowing that uh, their investments are safe, knowing that somebody is holding the uh, issuers and the the players in that market to account, holding them to their words. So that's also a very um, important reason why, um, we have these rules. Um, so now having um, a, a brought out the rules, they, the commission is uh, putting has put everything in place, I would say, to make it easy for firms who are interested in playing in this space to come in. You know, come to the commission, uh, find out what you need to do to get registered so that you can do your business um, without anybody giving you any uh, any problems. Um, For the investor also, I mean, this is a win-win for everybody. The investor now has more confidence in, uh, you know, uh, investing money through the crowdfunding uh, 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 platforms. So that's the the target. And uh, I think that um, I I would say that we haven't seen the the kind of, uh, uh, would I say the kind of, uh, or the number. Of uh, firms that we expected uh, to see, uh, so so that's why it's important that we attend uh, uh, events and meetings like this, so that we we'll make it clear to everyone that um, the SEC is ready to work with you. The SEC wants you to come in and get uh, and get uh, registered uh, to do your business in California. Thank you, Babaji done
1: yeah, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much. Um, and thank you for that. Um, you know, uh, what I call it like uh, you know, a prelude to to deeper conversations around uh, what is happening, um, within this crowdfunding platform ecosystem. Um, so to deep dive further, um, I would invite um, Soybean, Daniel Belgium. You know, to sort of give us a quick summary of the rules itself, you know, uh, because one of the greatest challenge in this part of the world is, um, and it's, it's something we all know, when people see a lengthy document, you know, instead of spending some time to digest, analyze and review it, um, at times once they see it's a rule, they, they just don't bother reading it, you know, but I think this is an opportunity for, you know, someone or a member who also participated in you know, creating the rule to sort of summarize it. You know, to touch on the critical elements that are important. You know, um, and so um, Daniel, um, you have the floor. Um, you know, so help us summarize. You know, the core components um, of this rule uh, before we move on to um, the See, we will talk for. Um, and, you know an external point of view on how um, startups especially can have the required structure um, to be compliant thank you
5: good afternoon babajide and good afternoon everybody um, if i can just have permission to share a document um, because babajide seems to have given me a very difficult task to summarize a 40 page document in 10 minutes. So um if I could just share the document. So go ahead, you can share. All right, thank you. Okay. So... Okay, so good afternoon, everybody. Um I'll try to summarize the crowdfunding rules in 10 minutes, um, but before I proceed, I would like to say that. The opinion I shall express today are purely mine and not in any way the opinion of the Securities and Exchange Commission. Having said that, Mr. Umiano has, has set the pace already. Basically, the said crowdfunding rules creates a regulatory framework for crowdfunding transactions in Nigeria. And it's important to note that these rules apply to only investment-based crowdfunding. Now, you participate in the crowdfunding transaction either as an investor, a fundraiser, an intermediary or a custodian. What the rules have done basically is to create guidance and um, practices that will set the responsibilities and rights that accrue to either categories of participants. So as we go forward in the presentation, what I will be doing is just pointing out those responsibilities and rights as it affects participants in a crowdfunding transaction. Now, the rule prohibits certain categories of companies from raising funds through crowdfunding. And these are public listed companies and their subsidiaries, a company with no specific business plan, otherwise a blind pool, and a company that proposes to use the funds raised to provide loans or invest in other entities. With the exemption of these categories of companies that I have just listed, every other MSME incorporated as a company in Nigeria with two years operating track record or with less than two years operating track record but has a strong technical partner that possesses a minimum of two years operating track record can raise funds through crowdfunding. Now let's talk a bit about the offer itself. A crowdfunding offer um, is open for 60 days, but can be extended for another 30 days. However, for an offer to be considered successful, the target amount or the minimum threshold required by a fundraiser to execute his projects must be met. Where neither is met, the offer would be withdrawn. And once an offer is withdrawn, the crowdfunding intermediary has a responsibility to refund investors their monies within 48 hours now the rule contemplates situations where a target amount or minimum threshold could be met before the expiration of 90 days however that amount gets reduced due to an investor exercising his right to withdraw from the crowdfunding transaction now when that happens such an offer can be extended for the unspent period of the 90 days to allow the fundraiser to um, re the amount that was withdrawn. Every crowdfunding offering must go with, a, with an offering document. And it is a requirement that offering documents must state the risk associated with a crowdfunding transaction. The investor. Investors are classified either as retail investors sophisticated, qualified institutional, or high net worth investors. While sophisticated, um, high net worth, or qualified institutional investors have no limits to the amount they can invest in a crowdfunding offering, retail investors cannot invest more than 10% of their net annual income in a calendar year. Mr. Omiano, when he was speaking, mentioned that one of the reasons why the rules were release was, to, was to the SEC's investor protection mandates. Now, as part of ways to protect investors in the crowdfunding transactions, the rule has created a right for investors to withdraw from a funding round by delivering notice to the funding portal up to 48 hours before the close of the offer. In addition, an investor can also withdraw from a funding round when he becomes aware of a material adverse change in a fundraiser. However, in exercising these rights, such withdrawal must be made before the close of the offer and before the proceeds of the the offering have been transferred to the fundraiser. When an investor invokes his rights to withdraw in a crowdfunding transaction, his money must be returned to him within 48 hours of the request to cancel. Nevertheless, it's not all rosy for investors. Investors also need to note that they cannot transfer their investment instruments for a period of one year until after allotment. So, when you invest in a crowdfunding transaction, you have to keep that investment for a period of one year. The rules create exceptions um, within which you could transfer under on one year, but as a general principle, those investments must be held for one year. The fundraisers, um, basically those who seek to raise funds through crowdfunding. And they do this by filing offering documents with an intermediary. And those documents must be made available to the investors through the crowdfunding portal. Now, the fundraisers, just like investors, have limits to the amount of funds they can raise from an offering. As seen in the slide, a medium enterprise cannot raise in excess of 100 million Naira, small enterprises cannot raise in excess of 70 million and micro enterprises cannot raise in excess of 50 million Naira. Also, a fundraiser cannot guarantee an investor return on investments and can also not offer investments concurrently on different portals. A fundraiser has a duty to provide investors with their rights, contractual rights to withdraw and must obtain a signed acknowledgement form from an investor. We realize that crowdfunding is a very risky business and that's why we require that fundraisers obtain a risk acknowledgement form from investors. Um, It's it's a basic responsibility of every fundraiser to also prevent issues of conflicts of interest fundraisers are not permitted to raise funds on a portal whose directors, officers, or significant shareholders own or control 5% or more of the fundraiser's securities. We believe that in such instances, um, the SEC has to be in the know and must grant its approval before a fundraiser can raise funds on a portal of um, such persons that have beneficial ownership or control over them. Now, the intermediary. This, in my opinion, is um, like the most critical um, participant in a crowdfunding transaction. And I say this because the rules creates lots of responsibilities and obligations on an intermediary. but Safe for time, they're not things that I can readily just um, display for everyone to see. But before an entity is registered as a crowdfunding intermediary, that entity needs to satisfy the commission that it can operate an orderly and fair market, and it can operate that market in a transparent manner, that it is willing and able to sanction violators, and can also Create rules to govern all its operations. In addition, because the stakes are high for an intermediary, they also need to satisfy the the, the SEC that neither of its principal officers have been convicted of any offense relating to fraud or breach of the Investments and Securities Act, as well as other capital markets related laws. Or they have not also been disqualified by any professional body. Intermediaries also need to prove that they can manage the risk associated with their operations. Now, because the intermediary has the responsibility to register and operate a crowdfunding portal, the rule also gives the intermediary the responsibility of conducting due diligence on every fundraiser that comes to raise funds on his portal. An intermediary also has the responsibility to create a channel of communication between the fundraiser and the investors on the portal. Basically, the the intermediary has a duty to ensure that every party to a crowdfunding transaction fulfills its obligations as required by the SEC rules on crowdfunding. Now, for you to be registered as an intermediary, you must be incorporated in Nigeria and must have a minimum capital of 100 million naira. However, just like every other capital market operator, the registration of an intermediary can be revoked if it fails to comply with the provisions of the rules and an intermediary cannot cease operations without the approval of the commission. In addition, an intermediary whose intends to cease operation must provide a plan to the commission on how it intends to address ongoing processes and offerings that are running on each portal. Um, now to the custodian, I think this will interest GD and all the other members of the FCMB team. So um, a custodian is appointed by a crowdfunding intermediary and must be registered by the SEC. The basic function of a custodian in a crowdfunding transaction is to establish and maintain a trust account into which proceeds from each um, funding round is paid into. Now, the custodian has an obligation to release funds within 24 hours of the end of the offer if the amount or minimum threshold is raised. You would remember, earlier I earlier said where the where needed, um, where neither the target amount or minimum threshold is raised, such offer is withdrawn. However, where it is raised, the custodian has to remit those funds to the fundraiser within 24 hours. Another um, important regime under the crowdfunding rules is that that relates to digital commodities investment platforms. Now, Digital Commodities Investment Platforms, DCIPs, as I would call them, are basically crowdfunding portals. But they are different in that they facilitate crowdfunding for investments on agricultural or other commodities. Now, these DCIPs cannot be used for any other funding or marketing purpose. And the intermediary of a DCIP cannot host a different portal to source funds for non-agricultural or commodities projects. Because we believe that um, the projects that DCIPs would embark on are massive and hugely capital extensive, their fundraising limits um, is at variance with those of a regular MSME. So the funds that can be raised from a DCIP within a period of 12 months cannot exceed a billion naira. And unlike other other portals that require a cash mix ratio of um, 70% liquid assets, 30% other assets, for a DCIP, an intermediary requires a cash mix ratio of 60% liquid assets and 40% other assets. I would stop here now and hope that as the, as the webinar continues, questions would, would prop up that will make me delve into other areas of the role. So over to you, Gideon.
1: Thanks a lot. So, thanks a lot, Daniel. <laughs> and I, I can assume and I know that there'll be a lot of questions that will come out of um, what you've uh, presented. And so without much ado, I'll just call on our compliance experts who I think would be able to sort of, you know, communicate most of what you shared in, maybe a simpler, um, you know, simpler passion for, you know, the technology companies that are in crowdfunding or are open to be in the crowdfunding space. Um, So yes, Missy you have the floor, um, and you know so we um, don't have much time. But so I would request that we sort of summarize um, a couple of the things we want to share, um, so that we can have adequate time for question and answers. So yeah, it's thank Over you. to you. Thank you.
6: Thank you, thank you, Baba Gide. Um I think I um, Igwe was supposed to project from his end. And there's like a poll that he has to run at this session.
1: Yes, he's on it right away.
6: Okay. All right. Okay. So let me just um um so while we are waiting for him to start the poll, um, I've been introduced as Yem Okune. The funny thing is, I was also a staff of the SEC until June this year. So I'm I'm an online, so to speak. Um can we have the poll, please? Can we quickly run the poll? Thank you so much. So I want everybody to please, um, there are no wrong answers. Just let me have what your opinion is on, this, on these two questions so that um, we can then start the my session. Thank you so much. I will appreciate it if everybody participates.
0: Okay, so it looks like, um, all right, interesting answers. I mean, I think we can end it now and then see what the results are. Okay.
6: So the first question was, do you think that the crowdfunding industry in Nigeria should be regulated? Um, 34 people responded and 9% said uh, regulation is unnecessary, that the crowdfunding space is at the nascent stage. So they think, I mean, let's be light on regulation. Um, 24% said regulation should be minimal. Crowdfunding intermediaries can self-regulate. And then 68% surprisingly said there should be adequate regulation to protect investors. Um, the second question was, what is your perception of risk of fraud in crowdfunding investing relative to investing in conventional securities? And um, so 6% said, um, crowdfunding, like crowdfunding, the risk in crowdfunding, risk of fraud in crowdfunding is lower than um, conventional securities. seven um, percent said it's the same. They think the perception of risk within the crowdfunding space and conventional securities investing is the same, while for 47% said it is higher. So interesting questions. Okay, thank you very much for taking part in this poll. Now, straight to the meat of the matter. Um, I'm going to cut off what, um, you know, so Ibim has already pointed out, and I'm sure we'll have more discussions, um, as we proceed to the QA. So, I'm just going to be very, um, I'll try and focus on the things I think you should get. So, um, like I had mentioned, right, everybody that is operating um, a, a an investment based crowdfunding portal in Nigeria is required to be registered with the SEC, as a matter of fact. Um, the SEC had given a deadline for June 30th, 2021. So the truth of the matter is, as of today, if you are placing a crowdfunding platform and you have not submitted an application for registration with the SEC, you are in evaluation of the ISC as we speak. But um, I think Mr. O'Keele okay alluded to the fact that the SEC is still willing to work with um, players in this industry. So I think the SEC's um, stance is to, to engage rather than to just use the heavy hammer. But the truth of the matter is, you have to know that you're currently in violation if you have not approached the SEC for registration. Can we go to the next slide, please? Okay, so now, um, what are the steps to getting your registration? I think this is what everybody is interested in. I have categorized the steps into like three main buckets. The first thing you have to do is prepare. And this I think is the most important part of your of your getting um, license to operate a crowdfunding portal in Nigeria. The first thing is, um, you have to structure your business model in line with the regulation. Now, I know that the, the the business itself had, had um, started before the SEC actually came out with the regulation. So it makes it a little bit challenging, but you will realize that the regulation has already kind of um, provided a structure, what you can do, what you cannot do. Now, I know that some crowdfunding, crowdfunding um, portals cater to both investment-based um, um, rounds and also charity for instance, but the regulation does not, the scope doesn't extend to, to um, charity. So for instance, if we're doing that, it's that part of your business is not subject to the scope of the regulator. However, for anybody that is using your platform to raise money for business purposes and is promising a kind of return to investors, that part of your business is already subject to the commission's supervision. So, whatever you need to do, there are platforms that are currently combining both Agri and other types of um, fundraising activities together. You would need to choose, I mean, determine what you want to focus on. Because, as Sobhum has pointed out, you cannot do any other thing other than Agri if you choose to do Agri. So, those are the questions, those are the considerations that you have to take as a business before you even come forward to the commission to say, okay, I want to register as a crowdfunding platform, you decide in what space do you want to play. Now, you also have to develop the required policies. This is this, this sounds like something that, oh, it's giving, but actually the, the crowdfunding regulation actually um, implies a lot of things. It implies, for instance, that you have to actually walk into your policies those requirements that the SEC has already set out that you need to comply with. You have to organize your operations and establish processes and controls. You also have to know that because you have started, for instance, for those who have started business before the regulation came on board, you already have in custody some funds from investors. Before you come forward, you have to put your house in order. So maybe consider doing an audit. Understand that you have to account for the monies you have collected from investors. And then begin to think of how you would establish the custodial model as the rules have already dictated. Then after you do all that and your house is in order, then you now go ahead and then, gather your registration documents, you submit and you pay the applicable fees. Now at the SEC, after you submit your application, they go through everything and then they have the process, internal processes for checking, for doing background checks and everything. And then they now have a um, screening process, which would involve a written exam and an interview. Now, this would also involve the sponsored individuals that you have elected to represent your your institution, they would all come before the SEC. They would write the exam. They have to pass their minimum scores to pass. They have to attend an interview, and then it is after all of this that you actually get your license to continue to operate. Can we go to the next slide, please? Now, the key requirements for registration at the SEC. I mean, so even I had mentioned some of these things. So I will just gloss over gloss over them, but I want to call out a few things: the minimum capital of hundred million rights that he has said is an ongoing requirement. So at the point of registration, and for the entire period you will continue to carry out that function in the market, you have to always comply with the minimum capital requirements. That's one. Two, you also have to consider that in in complying with that, the asset mix ratio ratio requirements also has to be complied with. So now um, he mentioned that for regular platforms, Regular platforms as platforms that are not carrying out are Greek, are Greek related activities, require 70%, can have 70% in other assets and 30% liquid. Now, at every point in time, your capital structure needs to be in line with this particular Um, I would also want to point out that I, in this particular slide, I'm sure they'll share the slides later. I have highlighted or hyperlinked the link to there's a there's a minimum. There's a guideline that the SEC had issued on how to structure your capital, what makes up capital, what is considered that capital that can help you in trying to um, comply with this particular requirements. Now, for sponsored individuals, regulation says three individuals that must include your chief executive officer. Something that is also that is also implied in the rule is that you also need to have a compliance officer. And this is a requirement that SEC. SEC has stipulated for every type of function in the market. So whether it is a stockbroker, a fund manager, a trustee, whatever it is, every registered function must have a compliance officer. I've also put a resource a, a resource link there to help you to understand who can be your compliance officer, what does it take, what would compliance officer require to do, what are the qualifications compliance officer should have. Then there's a fidelity bond that you have to have at every point annually, and that should cover at the minimum 20% of your paid-up capital. Now your financial statements must be audited. I mean, at the point of registration, if you have not operated long enough to have a complete set for a whole year, the SEC understands that and requires that, okay, you submit um, an audited statement of affairs or management accounts, as the case may be. Now your policy manner, like I said earlier, must be in place. And then most importantly is the IT system. Now, you have to be able to articulate what your system can do the the depth of coverage, you also need to have like so even I mentioned your laws, your rules that guide the um, conduct of the users of your platform, these are the major, major things you have to put in place before you go forward to the Commission to say okay I want to register, we can move to the next slide. All right. So he had mentioned all of these things. I would only pick out the things that I think that you should also note. He had talked about the fundraising. That's the soybean, the investment limit, the cash assets ratio, the regulatory capital, due diligence that needs to be conducted. Now, reporting. Now, these are the things you do on an ongoing basis after you register. So your journey doesn't end at registration. As a matter of fact, your journey begins at registration. Reporting, you would have to provide monthly, quarterly, and annual reports with the commission, and then um, the rule actually tells you what information you are finding, and I know that in due course the SEC would communicate the medium through which they will be receiving these reports from you as a capital a crowdfunding intermediary operating in the capital markets in Nigeria. We can move to the next slide, please. Um, okay, now one other call I want to make is that you the the regulation also. Stipulates that you have to comply with the NDPR, and then probably any other relevant uh, regulation that actually talks to data privacy and protection. You know, this is a very, 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 very critical part of your business. You are collecting um, confidential information. You are collecting sensitive information from from both the fundraisers and the investors. It is critical that that those things you are collecting are protected. And they are also supposed or required to keep records for a minimum of seven years. And then should your investor, or any investor come forward to say he wants to see, what, what, what information do you have about my business that has have transacted on your platform, you should be able to make it available to that investor upon request. So there's a lot of responsibility that has been placed on you as crowdfunding intermediaries for safekeeping of funds. And Daniel had alluded to the fact that, I mean, the regulation requires that a trust account should be operated and then a custodian should be appointed for every fundraising round. Um, so that is also, and the reason for this is to ensure that um, at every point in time, number one, funds are not commingled. So your proprietary funds, as an institution, is not commingled with investors' funds. So that also for your protection, and every time you can actually account for what you've collected on behalf of a fundraiser. So in, so that they are not that you are reducing or minimizing the risk of um, of fraud from your end, of also not being liable for what. Um, for somebody else's negligence. I mean, at the end of the day, the SEC is looking at investor protection, but in a way, it is also protecting you as an intermediary. Now, marketing and communication, I mean, there are restrictions as to what you can say or cannot say. Um, And you're also responsible for approving the marketing materials of your fundraisers. So the SEC has a guide in the general rules on what can be said about um, advertising for an investment. I mean, you cannot guarantee returns. You cannot promise returns. You You can make reference to what returns have been generated in the past on that particular product, but you cannot tell your investors, the potential investors, that oh, this is what you are going to get. I mean, nobody can actually for certainty say this is what you are going to get. So those are the guidelines that also that would that you would put in place in approving the marketing materials of your fundraisers. Now, so I'm not going to go back to prohibited activities that um, sweeping so mandation for digital commodity investment platforms. However, for a regular crowdfunding internet, and then this also applies to DCIPs too. You cannot provide financial assistance to investors. You will not be able to compensate anybody that's like um, an agent or an introducer you can't solicit investors or make recommendations on any on, on any fundraising round on your platform now I want I want to drive this home today Craft one intermediaries are, are capital markets intermediaries so the same standard that the SEC would um be expecting from a stockbroker. It's probably what the SEC is going to be extending to you. I understand that a lot of people say, oh, but there are new entrants, the regulatory um, space should not be so heavy. But I want to also let you understand that it is for your protection. It is also for to manage the risk in the market. At the end of the day, you want to operate in a market that is um, functional and efficient. You don't want a market where even the investors you are trying to attract do not have confidence in so it is necessary to put these things in place to ensure that there's this smooth sailing of activities in the market and every participant is protected um finally transaction fees i'm sure you are aware that they, they cap on the total fees that can be charged for a particular um round and then the SEC at, at this time says that The total fees payable to a fundraising round, to all parties from a fundraising round should not exceed 5% of the total funds raised. And then there's a 5% annual turnover, a 5% rate on your annual turnover that you pay to the SEC as an annual due. We can move on. Um, The next slide, please. Okay. Now, there com- when you talk about compliance, I mean, there are common things. whether you're operating in the capital markets, in the money market, even if it's in any other regulated space, the, and especially as, as long as it is within the financial industry, the common themes are money laundering, disclosure and reporting, your processes, internal control and risk management, code of conduct and ethics, and then training and capacity building. Every time the SEC is looking at you, They're going to be looking at you along these things. There are other things they look at, but you can actually categorize everything they do along these things. So it is important that in designing your structure as a company, as a firm, so you're not now just a tech firm. You're a tech firm that is carrying out a capital market regulated activity in the capital market in Nigeria. So you always have to look at these things in your processes to ensure that at every point in time, you are not in default. We can move to the next slide, please. Now, what are the challenges that you may face in trying to comply with this regulation? Now, I understand that um, you guys are tech guys. You are just trying to create a solution. You are just trying to code. You are just trying to roll out that app. In some cases, you are trying to attract the next um, funding from an investor. That's all fine. But in doing that, you now face this challenge with somebody has said, "Oh, we're going to be regulating this business that you do," and you are kind of a newbie. What's what are these things that you face? Number one is that I understand that there is some sort of um, regulatory burden that falls on you, and that you have to cope with. And this this would happen from now to whenever you say you are no longer operating in this space. There are several regulations that you have to comply with. I mean in august i mean i i i read of how um, the the NITDA was trying to introduce, a. I think it's a bill now, I I think it's been submitted to the um, National Assembly on how they also want you guys to come and register with them. I saw how people had said, oh, this is is, um, too much, the regulation is becoming too much. There's also the fact that there's no coordination among the regulators. Now, you also probably, depending on what you do as a business, you probably also fall under the regulatory purview of the CBN. Now, you have to look at how you're complying with the SEC's rules, look at how you're complying with NIDA, look at how you're complying with CBN. And I mean, every day CBN can wake up tomorrow again and just bring one one regulation or guideline that messes up everything. I mean, we've seen how things have evolved in the past few months, especially when it comes to the FinTech space. So those those are real issues that you have to deal with. There's also the aspect of cost. I mean, you have to think of employing a compliance officer. You have to think of putting in place probably a compliance um, software to help you manage regulatory compliance. It, there's also some administrative costs that comes with it. I mean, every time you are you, you would need to submit, like I said, monthly reports, quarterly reports, annual reports, you employ an auditor. You know, those are the things you have to do, but they come at a cost. And you're a new business that is still trying to find its feet. There's also the capacity thing. So um, the truth of the matter is for an incumbent, I mean, for instance, SA, I know SEMB has a multiple functions that um, they have with the SCC. they play in different aspects of the capital markets. I mean, SMB would have some level of experience that they've gathered over the years, some level of in-house capacity that they've gathered over the years. I'm sure they have a top-notch compliance team that ensures that with every type of regulation that comes out, they are in compliance. Now, you guys are just, I mean, for most of you, you are new. And so it, it takes t- it takes a while to get to that point where you have that um, capacity. So those, and then you also have to now um, compete with the incubators to probably get the talents you need to help you manage this regulatory risk. There's also the aspect of conflicting interests. I mean, you're trying, you're answering to. Your, a lot of stakeholders that the people that have invested in your business, that your employers, that I'm sorry, your employees, you're trying to manage all of that, your clients, and then you're not trying to balance that with oh, how do we get to the bottom line? How do we achieve our strategy and perform on our strategy? At the same time, not get into um, a situation where we are in violation of any regulation. I mean, these are real issues that you have to face as. Um, tech companies that are entering into the capital market space. And then finally, one thing that's, I mean, this is not just, this is not just peculiar to you, it's peculiar to every business that is operating in Nigeria, the uncertain political and economic um, environments. And then also the fact that innovation is evolving and dynamic. In fact, it's probably changing faster than you would, your regulators are, you um, uh adjusting the regulatory framework to so you know so many things are happening and you have to stay competitive and you're not just being competitive with your peers in Nigeria it's a global market so those are the those are the issues you are trying to balance as a new um as a tech firm that is trying to operate in the capital market space the regulated space and um, and those are the things you have to deal with in trying to comply with the regulation. Next slide please
0: Can we go to the next slide, please? Baba Jide Baba Jide something is up. Let me see, I
5: can hear you. Yes.
6: Yes, yeah. can we go to the next slide? We are almost done. Oh, okay. Okay, now I pointed to the dilemma. The regulators are trying to I mean Mr. OK had captured everything perfectly. What are what is the regulator trying to do? The regulator is trying to protect their stores. They're trying to manage the systemic risk. So they're looking beyond crowdfunding. The market is so much bigger than crowdfunding. They're trying to manage all the risks that everybody's activity brings to the table. They're trying to maintain market order, discipline, transparency, and integrity. They're also trying to ensure that only duly licensed firms and individuals are permitted to operate. So they're doing a lot of things, right? You don't see that, you only see it from your own point of view. But what you want to do is you want to just focus on meeting the bottom line and making your shareholders happy. You want to actually have those multiples that you need to scale up. We understand all of that. You want speedy approvals, you want minimum regulation, and you want more independence to do what you want to do, and you want to increase your market share. So how do we balance these things? We can move on to the next slide. Now, these are my recommended strategies for dealing with these issues I have pointed out. Number one, you need to establish a compliance policy, and this has to be something that is from the highest level of authority within your firm, from your board to your management. You have to always ensure that you are a compliant firm. You set the tone at the top. Once you do that, it's easier for of patients to follow and for every other person to follow. Design compliance into your business, that's one. They also have to establish zero, zero tolerance for infractions. I know firms that that um, whenever there's a, a letter from the regulator and it has to do with compl- a breach of a certain requirements or regulation, they actually identify who within the firm was responsible for that particular breach and the person is penalized accordingly. Now that's that that may not be your style, right? But I'm saying that you need to consciously let them know within your organization that you will not tolerate infractions, because it tells on your, but at the end of the day, imagine getting a heavy penalty. I mean, it was just last week that, um I think it was WhatsApp that was penalized in, the, in Europe because they were not disclosing to users how they were sharing the information with, their, with Facebook, which was the parents company. And the fine was about, over 200 million pound, um, euros. So imagine every time there's an infraction, it could also cost you money. So you need to establish that zero tolerance. Now, one thing that people don't get enough or don't probably com- come to the realization of is that you need to con- con- continuously engage your regulators. It's a good thing that FCMP has come to the and has brought regulators to you, right? What you should do as a firm that intends to continue to be is. to to be is engage them. Now, when you have products you want to introduce and um, you're not sure, or you want to make a move and you're not sure if you're in violation of any any existing rule or rights. I mean, I know that while I was at the SEC, uh, firms would write to the SEC and ask for clarification. If there's a particular regulation you're not sure about or how it is interpreted, write, engage, ask to meet with those officers that are actually in charge of your files. The SEC tries to maintain an open door. And thankfully, um, everybody does virtual meetings these days. So you do not necessarily need to travel to Abuja to get things done. You can request a meeting. Like Another thing that you should do or consider doing is influence policy. This is underestimated in Nigeria. But if you are not the one talking to the policymakers, so that they can have a policy framework that suits that is suitable and conducive to your business. Other people will be talking, if you get what I mean. So you always have to ensure that as much as you can. I mean, if there's something new in the that's in this space that is happening in in more advanced economies and you think it will be beneficial to Nigeria. Maybe the regulator has not come across that particular concept or is yet to catch up with it. Be the one to introduce it to them, engage them. You could organize, you could even organize the capacity, whatever it is it takes for you to get the regulator to be on the same page with you. I mean, at the end of the day, there's there's some points where you have to shake hands, right? So take initiative, influence policy, keep abreast of global trends, monitor the regulatory environment. If you have to set up an alert that lets you know every time your regulator has made a pronouncement or a policy, make sure that you are constantly in touch. In fact, your compliance officer should be visiting the SEC's website maybe like three times a day, in the morning after breakfast, in the afternoon after lunch, then in the evening before closing for the day. Like You have to know what is going on. When you do all of these things, these are the benefits I think you get as an institution. Number one, you have a low risk profile with regulators. Now, the regulator is, uh, most regulators these days are using the risk supervision and uh, supervisory framework. And this is, they try to profile firms into buckets of risk. Some firms are considered low risk based on certain criteria, some are considered high, some are considered um, medium. The truth of the matter is, if you tick the right boxes, if the regulator perceives you as a low-risk firm, you will get fewer, fewer should I say, visits from them, fewer letters, because they will want to concentrate their resources on those they, require, they, they consider to be higher risk. So this is what you want to do. You want to get to that point where you are considered low risk. And that stems from you being highly compliant. Now, you also want to earn your regulator's trust, so that when you write about something, they're like, this is a firm we know, they have a culture of being compliant. You also want to gain your investment. So this is how you also look at it. At the end of the day, it translates to more business for you. If you are, you are perceived to be a firm that is highly compliant in the market, more fundraisers will, not, will choose you to raise their funds. Investors would have some type of confidence in investing in the fundraising rounds that you have hosted on your platform. Then you also save, like I said, Switches and infractions come sometimes with monetary penalties. Sometimes, even if it's not monetary, it could mean a suspension of your activities. That's a loss of revenue for you. So to save money right? you want to be compliant. And then, of course, like I said, it improves your reputation, and then it improves market confidence. Uh, next slide, please. I think this is probably the last um, the last part I was going to say. So one thing I also want to stress out before I, before I end my session is, as a crowdfunding intermediary, you see yourself as a marketplace. Now, you are different from a stockbroker, you are different from a fund manager in that you control all the aspects of this business, of this space. There's so much responsibility that I am sure that a lot of people have not gotten. You are the one that is going to be interacting with the investors. You are the one that is interacting with the custodians. You are the one that is interacting with the fundraisers. Guess what? In all these participants that um Daniel has highlighted the only party the SEC is dealing with is the crowdfunding intermediary. So the earlier you understand that responsibility falls on you and the, you you can't pass the book, it ends with you. And you begin to design compliance into your very operations. That's when you can actually be successful in this space. I'll pause now and um wait for the QA. Thank you very much. Thank
1: you, thank you, thanks a lot, thanks a lot. <laughs> I, I think you had uh, an exhaustive um, engagement. Um, we'll just uh, move ahead to the Q&A session, um, which will be handled by Emmanuel Paul, uh, who is a senior reporter from um, TechPoint.Africa. Um, interestingly, I think in the time past, um, Emmanuel has actually written um, about uh, crowdfunding platforms at So I think he would be in the best position to sort of anchor this Q&A session. Uh, For the Q&A session, um, for better organization, um, I think when people do have questions, they should just put it in the chat box. Um, uh, And um, Emmanuel will take those questions from that point and uh, we would hope to um, expect responses from either Soybean, EMC, or if possible, Mr. O. K. Thank you. Over to you, Emmanuel, and thank you for
7: joining us. All right. Thank you very much, Babajidi. It's great to be here, and it's uh, it's really been an interesting session. So, yeah, we'll just uh, go straight to the question. I think there are some questions already that have come in in the course of this presentation. So I think the first question I noticed was, uh, so does the rule of, MSM is running for two years, not stifle startups. So I guess the question is talking about how startups tend to be very, very high growth companies. So in a space of one year, a startup can move from the pre-seed or a seed round to series A in very, 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 very fast and record times, so not full startups. I guess this question should be for Soybeam. I hope I got that pronunciation correctly. No, no you
5: just murdered my name, and I should oh send God. you to—I should send you to jail for that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, okay, please. so no, that's fine. So, um, I—I I think what is important to point out here is that, um, as fintechs will say, um, the regulator is supporting innovation and not trying to frustrate innovation. Now, the the rules on two years um two years operating record for an msme has two there, there are two there are two sides to the rule so when i was making my presentation i said you must either have it or if you do not have it you have a technical a strong technical partner that has that two years operating record. So to answer that question, where where, if a startup feels it doesn't, well, it's it's not feel, if a startup knows that it doesn't fall within the category that has the two years, then you need to look for a strong technical partner that possesses it. Now we we, we, we need to understand that there has to be a balance between innovation and regulation. I started by saying the regulator is trying to support innovation. Um, We need to understand the risk behind every crowdfunding transaction and and realize that the regulator needs to create protection for investors i do not doubt the capacity of some startups to wake up to to get to start up today and in in a year they are really very big but i mean what's the how many of such startups do we have one two what's the protection to the regu- to the investors in those startups, so the, the, the re- we are just trying to balance regulation and innovation. We are you are operating in a space in the capital markets that is very organized, and you have laid down um, procedures and practices. That that's basically just what it is. So it doesn't stifle startups. Uh, startups who do not meet that requirements have the opportunity to look for a technical partner that that meets the requirements.
7: Good. Uh, Thank you, Emmanuel. Yeah, awesome. So, I guess uh, this we can take this question from Tony as a follow-up. So, what's the difference between a crowdfunding platform and a crowdfunding intermediary? So, um,
5: I'm thinking of a mischievous example because I was I was taught that people get things faster when you use mysterious examples, but mm, but no one is okay. coming to mind now. Okay. The crowdfunding okay. intermediary is an entity incorporated in Nigeria that is licensed by the SEC to operate a crowdfunding platform. So it's like, um, I believe, Emmanuel, you're using a device for this program. Yeah. So it's like the device and Emmanuel. The, the portal is the device that you're using, but you yourself are the intermediary. Now, it is you who approaches the SEC to say, I want to use my device. I want to run a portal. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what it is. So the intermediary approaches the SEC to seek for a license to operate a portal. So they are like one and the same thing. One person just operates the other. As I said, it's like Emmanuel and his device. That's, mm-hmm. that's just what it is.
7: All right, all right. Thank you very much. So another question we have uh, we had earlier was: uh, Will angel investor networks uh, be seen as crowdfunding platforms? I guess it's a function of the fact that several entrepreneurs, like serial entrepreneurs in this ecosystem, after uh, creating this early stage type of funds, so and um, we have some that have been existing like the Lagos agent network and of course uh, future Africa by so will platforms like this be considered as a crowdfunding platform so yeah it's open to anyone
5: yeah okay so let me I don't know if Mr. OK wants to say or yeah but let me just let me just say something quickly on that question the lois the, the law is, is very clear. The, the, the law says that no person can operate in the Nigerian capital markets except the person is registered with the commission to perform a particular function. Now the set crowdfunding rules has created a function called um, has created the function of a portal being operated by a crowdfunding intermediary. So when you take what I have just said to that question, for an angel investor to be considered a crowdfunding platform within the rules and regulations, that person must be licensed as an intermediary to run a crowdfunding portal. So if an angel investor is already running a crowdfunding portal, as the MEC said earlier, the person is already going foul of the law and needs to bring his operations within the provisions of the regulatory framework.
6: Okay, so to add to that, um, I think I had, so in my presentation I had said that um, you would need to restructure or or, um, change your business model, right? So now that the regulation is in effect, in whatever way you are doing your business, like um, as long as it is in the crowdfunding space and it is for investment-based purposes, you would need to restructure to bring yourself in line with the regulation that the SEC has set up I think that's the easiest thing to do the regulation has been created and I, I must say here that um in getting to this point at least I know that while, while I was still at the SEC there was there was constant engagement with the industry so every consideration was was taken taken was was taken, and um we had um um interventions from even people, folks who said, oh, what they do is crowdfund for um, real estate, crowdfund for this, crowdfund for that. Everything was done. Yes, you see, I know it's still fine-tuning the regulations to cater to other aspects of business. However, what is in place now? You have to bring your business in line with the regulation if you don't want to be in violation.
7: Okay. So does Mr. Oke okay have anything to add to this?
4: I think that they've covered it very well. I, I have nothing else to add. They've okay, covered it. thank you.
7: So in essence, it seems uh, uh, Angel uh, Networks might have to restructure their business to be compliant with new regulations. So, Yemi, uh, see, is I think. You could just help us take this Is there any support provided by the SEC for non-investment based crowdfunding
2: at this
6: time no the, the rule is clear it does not so if, if it's um, crowdfunding for oh somebody needs hospital bills or wants to pay his school fees or needs to get a home or whatever it is it's not covered by the SEC though that particular activity is not regulated by the SEC the SEC is focused on a fundraiser that is coming to raise money for business operations for expansion whatever the case may be and will be issuing some type of security so that is very important so maybe what you are doing is offering shares to people in your business or what you are doing is providing a type of debt instruments where you say okay you lend me this particular amount of money in six months time in a year's time i will give you certain um, i'll give you 12 percent interest or whatever it is those are the types of um um, transactions that the SEC, so investment-based, somebody is getting a return for what he has invested in your business. That's what this particular regulation covers.
7: All right. So uh, so, uh, Dr. Roland Ibinoba is uh, directing this question at you. He's saying uh, that appears you mixed up the asset to cash ratio for capitalization. Please, can you clarify if this is a new rule or it was just a mix-up?
5: Okay, so I had seen it um, and I was wondering where the mix up comes from. So um, the assets um, mix ratio for DCIPs, as I said, is 60% liquid and 40% other assets. For the other portals, it's 70% other assets and 30% um, liquid. Um, basically, the classification is based on the distinction between. Both portals and core and non-core capital market operators, as defined by the SEC. So, I, I mean, I would be, I would want to know where exactly the the mix-up is. But if I had, if I had, if there was a mix-up, I, I believe I have clarified it. So, for DCIPs, it's sixty liquid, forty other assets. For regular portals, it's seventy other assets, thirty percent liquid. So, I, I hope I've.
7: Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, another question here is talking about the Investments and Securities Act. It's saying uh, it gives the SEC regulatory oversight over investment and securities business in Nigeria. Mm. Uh, the person is claiming investment business does not extend to commodities. Mm. Why does the rule seek to regulate crowdfunding, which is not equity crowdfunding, by regulating digital commodities platform? So,
5: okay, so um. The rules, the crowdfunding rules um, prescribes or states the kind of instruments that can be issued to an investor for an offering round. And one of such instruments is an investment contract. Now, if you take um, commodities offering and you begin to issue people a contract relating to commodities, that translates into an investment contract and thereby becomes an investment. And um, Cynthia Igoda had rightly stated that um, the ISAC second regulate investment business. So that's how the rules relate to commodities, uh, digital commodities investment platforms because they actually offer investment contracts to investors which falls under the regulatory property of the SEC. Mm.
7: Okay, thank you very much. And uh, someone else is asking, does the SEC intend to provide standard documentation for participants within the value chain to adopt, or will the parties be allowed to draft the transaction documentation in line with the SEC rules? see uh, would you like to take a look at this?
6: Um, okay, so I'm wondering if I should be answering a question about the SEC when,
7: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay all right
6: no i'll let i'll let soibim take this so i can always back him up, But i think yeah. hear directly from the horse's mouth
5: yeah let me see me see sit opposite me just like two months ago <laughs> and, and now she's saying she's running if she, if she don't worry i'll person. support
3: you i'll support
5: you okay uh, okay so um basically when i started my presentation i said what the role as what the role has set out to do is to create um guidance and practices that will regulate the rights and responsibilities of the participants in a crowdfunding transaction. Now, the rules, to an extent, has created standards. The rule says what and what an offering document should contain. So, to an extent, those standards are created. The SEC does not intend to have to give you a template. All we just require from you is. An offering document must state several things, including the risk associated with crowdfunding, details of the fundraisers, the purpose which the fund is being raised, the amount you intend to achieve, and so many other things. All you need to do is to make sure that all of those informations that are required are contained in that in the in the document that you offer to investors. So, if to that extent that's creating standards, oh well, yes, but we just give you requirements and basic things that we want to see and we expect that those things are in the document that you you file at the end of the day. Okay. okay. So as
7: a as a okay, sorry, yeah, me
6: Sorry, no, I was just going to I, I promised to support him, so I just wanted to support yeah. him. So um okay. what I was going to say was that so just like in every other aspect of um capital raising even in the, in the conventional capital raising, a, a company that is coming to issue bonds or um, um, equity capital and whatever it is, there is a minimum disclosure standard, which is what the SEC has also done with the regulation. So there, there are things that an investor needs to know before he decides to say, okay, I'm going to put my money here. I want to invest in these things. Those are minimum disclosure standards that every offering document should contain. So like I said, just as it is in the convention, conventional capital raising, it is also here now. It's not as comprehensive, but the SEC has said these are the things we want to see at the minimum. However, what I always like to tell uh, market participants is that don't just stick to the uh, minimum. I mean, this is what the SEC says is the minimum, but you are also mm-hmm. trying to protect your business and you want to also manage some risks. So that, that that be the foundation, but whatever you also feel comfortable with, is what you should do. So, if there are additional things you want to extract or information you want to extract from the, the fundraiser, mm-hmm. go ahead and put it. But just to ensure that it contains those things that the SEC has said it must contain. All
7: right, all right. And if right. I if
6: I may if I may chip in here,
4: the SEC is never going to give anyone a template because it doesn't make sense to give anyone a template. Uh, it's it stifles the innovation. You you might have an idea on uh, the SEC doesn't have, you know, you might want some more information that we don't have, or you might want something, you might want to do something with your own, you know, the market, you succeed in the market by being different, right? By doing things differently. So the SEC is never going to stop you from having that, um, that benefit of uh, that being able to do that.
7: Okay, right. Thank you very much. So, Another question here, I think as a follow up is, is saying where the rules are silent on the transaction fee or cost, can the intermediary impose the fee on the issuer?
5: I, I do not think the rules are silent on, on fees. The rules gives a cap to say that the fees shall not exceed 5%. So I'm not sure the rules are silent on fees. Um, the, the rule gives a cap on what's the fees for the entire um, transaction. Should be and also states what should be paid to the what the SEC ends as well. So um, if the rule has given a cap, then I mean you cannot impose. Just just go with just what the rule has. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
7: All right. Uh, so I think yeah, no. Ibrahim is asking. I guess uh, even I have been thinking about it. So if I want to get started, if I want to register as a crowdfunding. An intermediary or anything, who do I contact? Where do I start from?
2: Um <laughs> I see
6: that so it was for so well um I think I can still it's, it's public knowledge that I can still speak to this. It's the first thing the first point of call is this SEC website. As a matter of awesome. fact, in the releases that um, the publications that came out regarding, I think there are about three. First was the rule, the regulation itself. The second time was communicating the um, the link. So there's actually a portal that intending, captain, um, intending crowdfunding intermediaries can actually go to. That portal takes care of. In fact, as a matter of fact this is the first time the SEC is actually going to automate the entire process from beginning to the end. So Mm -hmm. other types of registrations prior to this time, you would submit paper applications, you would have to download forms, fill them, submit them. But now everything can be done online and there's a particular link that you follow. So just go to the SEC's website, um, figure out where the um, particular publication is click on that link to the portal and then submit everything. So that that, that goes to also say that all your documentation should be in electronic form because you will be uploading and all of that and scanning and everything. So yes, that's the first thing. But Also, the SEC has also provided a form of um, support. So there are email addresses that have also been communicated on the websites. If you have any issues in the process of trying to register, you know, this is most people that are coming into this space are actually new to the capital market and uh, capital market itself. So if there are any questions you have, if there are any clarifications you need to make, you can send those emails. I mean, the one thing I know is that you will get a response from the SEC. One call out I want to make, however, is that, do not restrict yourself to just the crowdfunding regulation. There are other general rules from the from the compilation of the SEC's rules that is called the consolidated rules that would apply to you now that you're coming to register at the capital market of So it's not just boxing yourself into the crowdfunding regulation. There are other things that apply to you in trying to register. So get familiar with the website. There are a lot of resources there that would help you. But as it starts, there's a link that you can go to to start your registration process.
7: All right. All right. Thank you very much. So there won't be too much. uh, You don't have to have any much back and forth by going to the sex office or
5: uh, no. Clearly. Oh, no. I mean, no, no, I mean, no, no, no. everything
6: is now virtual. But I mean, mm-hmm. if you are based in, in um, for instance, in Lagos, where I believe a lot of people are based and you are on the island, you can always walk to the SEC's um, office in Victoria Island where people will be ready to But be mindful of COVID restrictions too. But I mean, there's also there's also a space with around you. And then I think there's also an office in Port Harcourt. And yes, there the head is. office in um, Abuja. There's at, also an office in Cannes, right? Yeah, so, yes. So wherever you are based in the country.
7: Mm. All right. Thank you very much, See, So another question here is: uh, Will investors' monies be short in any way? That is it. It's a very, very, very uh, sacrosanct question. So soybean, soybean, oh God. Yes.
5: No it's fine I'll I'll send I'll send you a fine at the end of the day um <laughs> at the moment so I I can see the, the questions in the chat and the person the, the person who asked the question is making reference to a similar practice with the Nigerian um, Nigerian stock
7: exchange yeah. now
5: NGX so at the moment um there is that's kind of um there is no that's, that similar practice does not exist for crowdfunding at the moment. What the person is basically talking about is the investor protection fund of the NSC that regulates. At the moment, we do not have that for crowdfunding. At the moment, we do not have that for crowdfunding. But however, um, we would expect the rules require for intermediaries to take out insurance covers. So that is some form of insurance coverage for investors when the investor reports out. Hello, Emmanuel.
4: Uh, let me come in a bit here. Remember that also when, um, what, what Suibim just mentioned about the, the intermediaries having insurance is just for when you're raising the money, while you're raising the money. Eventually, when the money goes to the firm, the issuer, it becomes uh, it becomes uh, subject to the risks, and that's why we the, the rules say that those risks have to be, you know, specified in the offer in the documents. So remember, it's investment. Uh, why I'm saying this is that many people come to the SEC; they've lost money from an investment, not because someone has stolen it, but because uh, the market went against them, and they will come to the SEC and ask uh, how they can get the money. It's an investment. So always remember, so what we are covering here is the the act of raising the funds, you know while uh, that process of raising the funds, when the money goes to the to the to the firm that has uh, 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 that has uh, done the issue, it becomes subject to the business risks which you had already seen in the offer documents before you decided to invest. So that's important to note.
7: No, right. no, no. Okay. You say that uh, okay. another question. Oh boy. Sorry, Can you guys hear me? I can. Hello? I can. Yes. 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 you can. Okay. Sorry, I got disconnected for a second there. Okay.
0: Yeah. Boy. Hello, Emmanuel. Are you still so, there? Yeah. For According to rules,
5: real
7: estate crowdfunding.
5: Um. Okay. So. Um. The. the I rules. I got the question. Hey, Emmanuel, question, Can you hear me? Okay. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, we can hear you perfect. Okay, fine. So so in preparing in, in, in preparing the rules, we we realized that in several jurisdictions there were different crowdfunding regulations for different types of crowdfunding. For example, in Malaysia, they have a specific set of crowdfunding rules for real estates. I am not so sure that the rules as we have them today can address the concerns that um, I think it's the doctor who has asked this question, as it relates to real estates. However, work is is going on to make sure that we begin to design um, specific based rules for specific sectors to to, to govern crowdfunding in those sectors. So the rules as they are today may not fit in to the question he's raising, but I believe um, in another few months or so, um, rules would be rolled out to address that would address most of the issues that he has he, he has with, in his question
7: okay so i guess uh, there's a there's also a follow-up question here about uh, the custodian and who should hold the title in the case of real estate uh... yeah
5: so um I w- I will stand on my previous comments, <laughs> okay. Because it, okay. it's it's about the same real estate crowdfunding and work is still ongoing. So,
7: okay, all right. So, uh, a question from Josie Maria: uh, Is there an SEC sandbox for startups?
5: Yes, there. Um, there is um, a fintech portal. There is a fintech assessment um, portal that sandbox that startups can go to describe the nature of their business and um, they will get guidance by the fintech and innovation office of the SEC. Um, so why we do not necessarily have a sandbox in the full sense of a sandbox. We have an innovation office that will, that performs um, a role similar to what the sandbox um, performs. There are quite a number of startups and fintechs in that space and they, they get attention from the fintech and innovation office. So um, there is there's provision for startups to, to come to the SEC, assess their, their, their technology, their innovation and, and get guidance from the SEC on, on how and the proper way to, 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 to proceed with it.
7: oh boy yeah sorry
0: i'm back again i got kicked off this is
1: so i think imano you can turn off your camera um it could um, it could be that uh, the quality of your uh, internet or data can't uh, accommodate (laughs) the video so you can you have liberty to turn off i think we are at the tail end of the program now, um, I think for those who have future questions, um, you can send your questions to programs at the Cool. Okay, okay, please. Uh, programs at fashion incubator. Um, you know, so you would get a chat from Patrick. And so for future questions, um, you know, you can push those questions there, um, and we will make do to respond. Um, part of what I also like to say is that, um, especially for the um, tech startup founders that are here, that intend to, um, um, that intend to also um, participate in the space. Uh, I think one of the greatest challenge they have is putting their house in order. You know, so the truth is that before you go and see the regulator, that means to a large extent you've put your house in order. I think um, that's one of the reasons why we brought someone like Ms. Um, Okuneye. Um, I think our um, contact also will be shared. Um, she can sort of just give, um, based on her past experience and what she does now. You know, she can sort of provide a compliance consulting you know, service for those who need to put their house in order you know, so she can share some insights on how you can ensure that um, your documentations are proper and most of other things before you now engage um, the SEC. Um, so our contact also will be shared here by Passion Incubator. Um, I think the contact of um, the head of custody services has also been requested for. Um, I think she's still on the call. Um, so I know that she would share. Um, she, she, she got it. She would share her email. Um, you know, it's also important that she shares her email because um, we also believe that uh, custody services um, is a very critical element in what is required. So she's going to also share my um, email um, with the general to the general public now. Um, part of also what we will do is that um, after this engagement, um, sometimes in the beginning of next week, uh, we would also send um, a formal email to those who have attended um, and those who registered but couldn't attend. We will send them um, some uh, information. Yes, on this, you know. So Debola has sent uh, the general email, uh, which she can be written for any of our. Um, our, you know, our crowdfunding intermediary platform who will be interested um, for FCNB trustees to support
0: okay.
1: I would also like to mention that this is the part one of this program. Uh, we are going to be having a repeat of this sometime later in the year, um, so that we can accommodate for more participants who may not have attended today. Um, so I would like to say a big thank you to Mr. Oke Um, I would like to say a big thank you to Soybean. I would like to say a big thank you to YemC. I would like to say a big thank you to Adibola Adedeji for supporting this program and also joining me um, from our custody business. Um, and I would like to say a big thank you to everybody who participated, asked questions, uh, Who engaged us? I would like to say a big thank you to Emmanuel from Tech Point. Um, so uh, big ups to Tech Point for also helping us communicate uh, this program to larger audience. And most importantly, I would like to say a big thank you to Passion Incubator uh, for assisting us coordinate this program. And um, so be expecting another communication on um, the. Part two of this program, uh, it could be sometime in November or October. but everyone who has attended uh, will get a full information of this. Uh, For those who want to listen to this again, we'll be hosting uh, the recording of this session online soon um, and um, you can catch up and also still share uh, with um, everyone. Um, So thank you, everybody. Um, Thank you for supporting us for this program, Um, and thank you for also um, ensuring that um, our mandate at Op1 by FCMB um, is aligned to to this, uh, because uh, one of the things we try to do at Op1 is to provide um, the requisite access to tech founders, um, this kind of access with regulators, investors, um, and the likes. So once again, thank you everyone. Um, do enjoy the rest of your day um, and uh, all the best. Thank you and
0: keep safe. Thank you.
7: All right. Thank you very much.